0: bad news
1: bad news for the state
0: bad news for capital bad news for Patrick bad news for all forms of domination bad news angry voices from around the world
2: our monthly info show from anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio projects worldwide
1: if these news are bad I don't want to be good
3: Welcome to the 74th episode of Bad News. Angry new Voices from Around the World. You are listening to the voices of the new show Flora Radio, based in Valparaíso, Chile, Southwestern South America. <muchas> We want to salute in solidarity to all of our comrades in the whole planet. In these moments of war, worldwide public dehumanization and cruelty, we think it's more important than ever to keep organized and take serious commitment with collective projects and community care and mutual aid. We are also sure that tenderness and joy are deeply serious needs that we can try to fulfill through the collective daily practice to prefigure the joyful lives we want to live. And for all oppressed people in the world. Today we will be listening the reports of Air Radio Berlin, Radio Show Kilabo Seme, and Flora Radio.
4: <laughs>
5: in Hamburg, Germany was long ago, but there are still trials going on. Now quite a couple of people have to appear before a court. A Radio Berlin spoke with a person from a group that provides solidarity to the accused. Let's hear the interview.
0: The proceedings are about the Rondenbach complex. For all the people who are not familiar with G20 protests in Hamburg, Can you briefly explain what happened back then?
6: Yes, I think I will go a bit further. More than six years ago, the G20 summit took place in Hamburg and there were massive protests against it. Tens of thousands of people came to the city and took to the streets to protest against the meeting of the heads of state and government of the 20 most powerful countries. On July 7, thousands of activists took to the streets early in the morning to demonstrate and also to block the access routes of the summit participants. Various protest marches also set off from the protest camp in Hamburg, Altona. One of them was the protest march that was stopped by the police at Rondenbach and brutally beaten up. The police ran towards the protesters, shouting loudly and beating them all up. Numerous activists were injured, they suffered bruises, lacerations, broken bones and even open fractures. And actually, there was this one main incident where people got badly hurt. That was when cops pushed activists against a railing over which they tried to escape and it broke away and they fell three to four meters. As a result, 14 people had to be transported to a hospital in ambulances. 59 others were then arrested on the spot and it can indeed be said that this police operation in Rondenbach was one of the most brutal during the protests. Alongside the welcome to hell demo, which was also massively beaten up. The Federal Police's Evidence and Arrest Unit, or BFE Blumenberg for short, was responsible for this operation. This unit is actually quite well known for its brutal approach, and above all, operations in which left-wing activists have repeatedly suffered serious injuries have been documented in the past. For example, in 2010 there was an activist involved in an action against a nuclear waste transport train, who climbed a tree to unroll a banner. He was pepper sprayed, shot at and then fell from a tree, breaking a seraphic vertebrae and the like. And another person had his skull smashed in 2009 at the street festival Schanzenfest in Hamburg.
0: And what are the defendants who are now on trial being accused of?
6: As part of the Rondenberg proceedings, charges were brought against 85 people in 2019. The defendants are accused of aggravated breach of the peace in a particularly serious case in conjunction with active assault on law enforcement officers as well as attempted grievous bodily harm, forming an armed group and destruction of property. One thing must be clear here. These charges do not relate to individually committed or proven acts. The people concerned are charged solely with their presence at the demonstration. Rather, all those accused are to be collectively condemned. And, as absurd as it sounds, all participants in the demonstration are accused of being involved in setting off pyrotechnics and throwing rocks. This is the basis of the charges. With these proceedings, the public prosecutor's office wants to reverse the reform of the section on the breach of the peace legislation from 1970. Because before 1970 in Germany, the mere presence in a so-called unpeaceful assembly was punishable. However, this doesn't even correspond to the current view of the courts. Even the German Federal Court of Justice has repeatedly pointed out in the past that the mere presence in a so-called violent crowd is not sufficient for conviction for a breach of the peace offense. In 2017, the Federal Court of Justice ruled that ostentatious marching could be punished as a breach of the peace offense. However, according to the Federal Court of Justice, the ruling may only be applied to hooligan groups, and not to political gatherings, in order to preserve the right to demonstrate. The background to this is that hooligans are, so to speak, presumed, or it is assumed that they will deliberately arrange fights. And the demo in Rondenbach is accused of the same thing. The political motivation of this prosecution can clearly be seen here.
0: There have already been previous trials in connection with the Rondenbach case, Why didn't those go anywhere back then, and what is the difference to the trial now?
6: No trial has yet been brought to a conclusion, but there have already been two attempts. The first trial was against Fabio from Italy, who was 18 years old at the time, and who spent almost five months in custody in Hamburg after his arrest in Rontenbach. The judge at the higher regional court at the time, who was, so to speak, responsible for examining his detention, accused him without ever having seen him, of having harmful tendencies and considerable developmental and educational deficiencies. And to put this judge in a clearer light, this concept of harmful tendencies was coined by the Nazis and was then simply incorporated into the new version of the juvenile code or juvenile criminal law in 1953. Fabio's trial finally came to an end in 2018 because the judge went on maternity leave. And a month ago, the criminal proceeding against Fabio were discontinued. One of the reasons given for the dismissal was the long pre-trial detention. Then, in 2020, there was another trial against the five youngest defendants, who were still minors in July 2017. The trial was discontinued after three trial days in 2021 due to the coronavirus pandemic. I think I need to emphasize at this point that the allegations in the prosecution's arguments in these three trials were always the same. As I said earlier, it is not just referring to individual accusations, but to the mere presence at the demonstration. This shows that on the one hand, the public prosecutor's office is feeling enormous pressure to prosecute, and on the other, that it is once again trying to set a precedent in order to restrict the right of assembly in the long term. This seems to be a particularly strong motivation here. In its statements, in the indictments, the Public Prosecutor's Office also includes the general mobilization against the G20 and of course makes it appear that it wants to criminalize any protest, including the preparations. There is to be an overall reckoning with the protests and a revenge for the ruler's loss of control. This also fits well with the massive means of repression surrounding the G20. Think of the bans on camps and demonstrations at the time, the withdrawal of accreditation from critical journalists, the series of house searches afterwards and before, and the public searches of hundreds of participants in the protests. This level of public investigation has never been seen before.
0: And what is the current status of the proceedings?
6: The current status is that the trial against six of those involved is due to begin at the Hamburg District Court on January eighteen. And so far, 25 trial dates have been set until August 2024. The dates can be viewed at gemeinschaftlich.noBlocks.org or at Rote Hilfe.
0: How are those affected by the proceedings, dealing with the charges or the current situation?
6: Yes, for those affected who come from all over Germany, the trial means enormous effort. As attendance at the trials is compulsory. The people concerned have to make long journeys to Hamburg several times a month, several times a week. And that, of course, means restrictions in their paid work, but also in all kinds of other activities, be it family or social ties and the like. And they are therefore exposed to a heavy burden. I don't think it's child's play. And above all, we have to assume that obligations to pay court fines will not be adhered to at all, but will be extended instead. This was just the start, so to speak.
0: Can you talk about what solidarity work already exists for the trial and how people can participate or support it?
6: With the Gemeinschaftlicher Widerstand or Community Resistance Campaign, we want to support those affected and not leave them alone with the repression. We are now calling on people to come to the trials in Hamburg, The trials are open to the public and it is a great sign of solidarity if people accompany the trials and take part in actions. Especially when the trial has already progressed, the number of visitors is usually lower and the burden on those affected is even greater. In other words, that's when it's important to show solidarity and get involved. You can of course also organize yourself and organize actions to show your solidarity and of course build up political pressure. Ultimately, we think relatively little of the right of assembly, but still, it is also part of our political expressions. And such massive restrictions, which are threatened by a conviction in the Rundenbach trial, are simply not acceptable to us, and cannot be accepted so easily. And of course, you are welcome to contact us, because we understand the need to react in a decentralized manner. Simply send us an encrypted email to contact us, and we can discuss the matter. For more info, go to gemeinschaftlich.noblogs.org That is is
7: dot Sueñan las pulgas con comprarse un perro. Y sueñan los nadies con salir de pobres que algún mágico día llueva de pronto la buena suerte, que llueva cántaros la buena suerte, pero la buena suerte no llueve ayer, ni hoy, ni mañana, ni nunca, ni en lloviznita cae del cielo la buena suerte, por mucho que los nadies la llamen y aunque les pique la mano izquierda o se levanten con el pie derecho o empiecen el año cambiando de escoba. Los nadies, los hijos de nadie, los dueños de nada, que no son, aunque sean, que no hablan idiomas, sino dialectos, que no profesan religiones, sino supersticiones, que no hacen arte, sino artesanía, que no practican cultura, sino folklore, que no son seres humanos, sino recursos humanos, que no tienen cara, sino brazos, que no tienen nombre, sino número, que no figuran en la historia universal, sino en la crónica roja de la prensa local. Los nadies que cuestan menos que la bala que los mata. <risa>
5: show Quilabo Seme made an interview with comrade Julio from Brazil who is involved in Quilombo in Rio de Janeiro. We were talking about the situation with those occupied pieces of land used mainly by indigenous and black agricultural communities and also about a specific struggle in Quilombo from Región Espíritu Santo.
7: Vitomarcih pomorče bili družin, kako voli to sorganizirana obramba pretočo.
0: Ovo godišnji agrarni budjet nije ne izbliza u iznosu onom koji odgovara poljoprivredi. If you are contaminated by Monsanto's GMOs, you no longer own your seeds or plants. I
4: will pass over as you can
8: Agro Programme. Radio Student. Hello hello uh, we are switching to English in KilovoMS since uh, we are hosting a guest uh, from uh, Brazil with us is uh, Julio that is uh, also participating in Quilombo in Rio de Janeiro uh, so and our topics will be quilombos uh, and also some specific uh, fights uh, that are involved in
2: yes and we will also talk about the latest uh, struggle in one of the quilombo but um at the beginning we already had a show on quilombos but still can you give us some information about what a quilombo is um good morning all
9: quilombos are territories composed by foreign enslaved people either black mestizo or indigenous uh, peasant or Riverside communities And a lot of people who established autonomous space In the rural and also in urban areas in Brazil Since the uh, 16th century So it's uh, quite old um, Established And uh, until the end of 19th century We still um, could see this kind of uh, social um, setting and they were basically uh, struggling against the colonial and central government established uh, in Brazil from the 15th um, centuries in the colonial times through the Brazilian independent states during the monarchical regime. Therefore, the image of Quilombo express an idea Actually, a concept which represents a uh, practice of a social and political popular resistance and thus faces many forms of oppression over the uh, in this sense, we can recognize uh, that nowadays these territories are remarkable for uh, upholding the fight for a political, economic and cultural autonomy against the oppression of the state, the speculative capital as the real estate, and the land grabs as uh, the
8: big farmers and militias. Uh, so there is, <coughs> as far as uh, we understand, also some differences between the Kilombos, uh, in rural areas and uh, kilombos in urban areas can you also describe uh, or give us uh, some examples what are the differences yeah um, if we also
9: think about we had a, a slavery institution for a long time so the slavery was spreading whole country um, of course we have a different space with the uh, enslaved people who also was struggling against uh, the slavery institution. So in this sense, um, we can quote one urban quilombo formed in the uh, 9th century in Rio de Janeiro and nowadays it's called Quilombola Community cafunda Estrogilda. Uh, it's localized in the west region of, Rio, of the city of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, and uh, as a rural uh, Quilombo, uh, I can quote as well the Quilombo Sapir do Norte in the north of uh, Espírito Santo state, um, both communities are basically formed by peasants uh, living from the agroforest system. But uh, in the case of Rio de Janeiro, the majority of uh, them uh, have other kind of jobs in the city because it's a kind of strategy of life to complement the incomes face of the scarcity of natural resource available and uh, um, increase of cost living over that. Uh, but it's important to point out this scarcity uh, of the resource is not a derivative of uh, an environment uh, poor of natural resource. Uh, actually, it's caused by the uh, land controlling of the state, which defined the quilombolas' land as a part of a natural reserve park, thus forbidding the peasants to plug the land in a wider dimension. Uh, but basically, the main difference between these quilombos settings is the environment, uh, which they are localized, the geography of their territories. I would say, therefore, the geography of these territories influence the material and the cultural aspects
8: of the livelihood into Quilombola's community. Uh, there are uh, <clears throat> also differences as we were talking before the show uh, the approach of the state and capitalist uh, enterprises since in urban area maybe there are uh, also bigger real estate uh, interests in these lands and see, and in rural area maybe there is like this agribusiness interests yeah uh, exactly this and um, but Look.
9: In the end, we have the the capital as a main interest of the in the land. So, if we have a big scenario in the city, in especially in the city of Rio de Janeiro, when we uh, try to describe to frame um, the quilombo, Cafundá, Estrela Júda, there, this quilombo is set in. Uh, beautiful part of the city people used to call the North Shore Carioca uh, comparing with the Hawaii so we have uh, waterfalls and beautiful and diverse nature 10-15 minutes from the beach so wild beaches and then we can imagine how profitable is uh, <laughs> access land over there and in Espírito Santo the scenario is different Because uh, is, um, um, is an area uh, Historically It was occupied as a, uh, huge, With a huge plantation of sugar cane So for ages uh, That land was uh, exploited In an extractivist uh, monocultural uh, manner So uh, it's kind of um,
8: repetition Of an old scenario over there And also there might be that uh, in the urban areas, since maybe also a bigger concentration of people and different parts of the movements, uh, is also repression is a little bit different than in a rural area. To be honest, uh,
9: the repression is basically the same, but the mechanisms used are different. So in the city, uh, the state cannot, I would say, put their face uh, uh, on the um, on the screen to people see oh look this is the, uh, the state uh, using violence against the peasants in this city but uh, we see quite often the militias working um, as a parallel force of the states and the real state so a lot of threats and uh, Kind of and even murders perpetuated by this kind of um, gangs uh, organized there. But in the rural um, areas, we we see uh, the state doing the whole of um, um, the, the violence there. So the police and sometimes even the arm or the federal police, because have actually fought kinds of police in Brazil and all of them are used <laughs> to evict the people from uh, these these lands
2: yeah I, um, I think that um, these forms are to some extent Known, uh, even though we can speak a bit more later maybe, but I think that you mentioned that one of the mechanisms uh, of oppression is also the conservationist laws, like the natural park reserve, which usually is supposed to be something that's protecting the land, is in this uh, manner many times used, uh, if I understand correctly, as a mechanism of oppression. Would you comment a bit more uh, on this maybe?
9: Yeah, if we think uh, you are correct and then if you think the state wasn't uh, built and created in order to protect people's rights the state was created to protect the investors' rights. So in this sense the law will never uh, support people's rights the law will always defend the capital interests. So uh, if we understand this community settled there at least for 200 years and uh, for uh, 48 years the land as they are established since then uh, turned in a natural park out of blue it means that something <laughs> is wrong but uh, In our perspective, but in the perspective of state, it means also they are combating uh, the um, uh, deforestation or they are, this is the discourse, they are combating the deforestation, they are uh, combating um, the wrong uses of uh, uh, green areas of the city, but uh, actually the law is uh, used as a mechanism. To legitimize the oppression against the poor people And this law also has a color in Brazil uh, Who does the law and who is uh, um, Oppressed by the law So in some sense this is also part of What we call the structural racism struggle in Brazil mm, So the
8: Quilombo Nova Vista yeah. Uh, in Spirito Sancto was reoccupied one month ago they also made a call for solidarity and at that point also the Anarchist Initiative Ljubljana answered this call with a short, short solidarity statement so let's hear uh, the statement for the beginning
10: we as Anarchist Initiative Ljubljana would like to express our support and solidarity with the local struggle of the Capishava Anarchist Federation, which is involved in a process of occupying a former peasant, Quilombola land that is now being grabbed by landlords. We see land grabbing as one of the most devastating processes for local communities around the world. In this globalized world, we must continue to develop and struggle in our localities but also maintain a larger perspective in order to fight global capital, corporations, landlords, and nation states in their attempts to destroy the power built from below. Our support and solidarity goes to the comrades in the geography of Brazil who are occupying the land that has been taken away from the communities and are fighting for a better world for all.
9: Então, aqui em Ljubljana, no Brasil, a nossa luta é a mesma. Nossa solidariedade aos companheiros e companheiras que estão aí na luta pela, pelos seus direitos, na retomada pelo que ah, é direito de toda a população de ter uma moradia, de ter a sua terra digna onde possa viver, plantar, comer e criar suas, suas famílias e seus filhos. Solidariedade a vocês.
2: Okay, so we are back uh, with our interview with um, uh, our guest from Brazil. Uh, So we're speaking about um, the Nova Vista Quilombo and the struggle around it. So um, what actually happened a month ago? Why is this struggle important?
9: Uh, This struggle is important, first of all, because uh, it's about uh, people's rights. So um we can't uh, think about um uh, equality and talk about equality and uh horizontality and uh social relations without think uh, that every person can have the rights to to live to eat to work and have your own land. You can do everything at the same place how I think uh, some people choose to do that and um one month ago, uh, those people were uh, fighting for the rights to, est- to establish a community in the lands of the uh, former uh, ancestors. So uh, would, I would like also to contextualize a bit of uh, the struggle over there because uh, the territory of uh, Sapia do Norte uh, is a region. Right, So uh, it's a region localized in the state of Espírito Santo Which has around 120 square kilometers Recognized by the Brazilian state as a quilombola territory And there currently exists around 10 communities Of peasant, fishermen and riverside quilombolas So since the uh, national constitution in 1988 the Brazilian state recognized that we have uh, lands that belongs to indigenous, quilombolas, riverside communities. So, actually, these lands always belong to these people. And it's not, uh, uh, they are, inv- it, it doesn't mean that they are invaders. They were there trying to uh, uh, get sent that doesn't belong to them. So, the Brazilian state uh, recognized the the ownership of the land of the people for the people so in this region um has been under in, in, intense conflict regarding land possession for at least the last 10 years the conflict is between the quilombolas and the paper mill Called Susano Cellulose. In the past, they were called uh, Cruz Cellulose. The company refused, though, to leave the Quilombolas lands, alleging that it doesn't recognize the Quilombolas' rights to live there. Consequently, the Quilombolas um, uh, staged in direct actions, reoccupying their lands. The occupation, which happened last month, so it was a direct action aiming to get the land back in the local. Uh, the locality called Nova Vista and uh, the commission of uh, anarchist local federation, the FACA uh, called for support international support and uh, apela uh, as uh, anarchist organization acting in solidarity with international cause of course and holding straight connections with the Brazilian anarchist organization responded to the request and showed solidarity
2: Um, so you explain why uh, to call it a reoccupation because it's actually really taking back the lands uh, to who to which people have right. Um, but um, uh, what's the state of the struggle uh, now? Is it still something that's uh, going on? Uh, was there any repression?
9: Yeah, as I said, this uh this territory is under conflict. So, uh the conflict is still ongoing. So, uh the in the last month what happened was the police evicted with uh, of course violence um the the peasants who were there and one specifically, this he's known as uh, his activism, was uh, arrested, was imprisoned. And then um, the uh, uh, happened one um, struggle and also one uh, mobilization aiming to collect, of course, money and then uh, release him from the, the prison. But uh, despite this, we can still see uh, the increase, the escalation of violence in all this region of Norte uh, is not just in Nova Vista. Nova Vista is just one community that exists there.
8: Um, and maybe it would be interesting, to, so that we can uh, <clears throat> imagine a little bit, uh, to talk also about who are the people that are taking the land back. Uh, are they part of this uh, landless workers movement that is very popularized uh, at least in academic discourse here or uh, which are the organizations since we hear it is uh, very big anti authoritarian also anarchist movement in Brazil with a lot of different uh, organizations and parts yeah um, I would say
9: basically, as we already spoke before, we are talking about communities with 200 years at least, even more so, the MST uh, came uh, came in in the 70s 80s, so (laughs) the struggle is older (laughs) than the the MST, so it is important. We pointed. We point this because uh, we have this myth that just uh, organized institutions and political parties has the capacity to organize the people as people that uh, as people doesn't have the capacity to organize themselves and think by themselves and recognize the exploitative situation that they are facing um, and the MST as a um, uh, social political movement organized in Brazil supported a lot of uh, um, occupation reoccupation uh, actions there but uh, in this case in Nova Vista they were against this action because it's, uh, the MST is also connected with the actual uh, government because it's called a uh, leftist government. Uh, Lula is again uh, in charge in Brazil. And then as a kind of um, agreement between uh, political parties, MST, and the leftist government there. So the occupations and the occupations actions are basically stopped, stopped by this kind of sector. But the autonomous... Uh, and uh, anti-authoritarian uh, groups that doesn't recognize any kind of hierar- hierarchization in the political struggle, they are still
8: fighting and standing for their rights. So, OK, we understand that at the moment the MST, uh, Landless Workers Movement, uh, is uh, uh, pacifying the reoccupations. In <laughs> Actually, it's this,
9: you know, actually it's this. And uh, we cannot forget uh, to also uh, localize socially these people. Because uh, most of them And especially in this last uh, Attempt of reoccupation They were living in ghettos In favelas, in periphery Out of this land Because they were evicted Actually, their families were evicted in the past Right? So, uh, with their will With their uh, collective consciousness Of the the, uh, exploitative And uh, uh, um, Situation They organized themselves um to uh, get back what belongs to them is uh, written the Brazilian constitution
2: Yes, you um, already explained a bit before about uh, the intertwined uh, mechanisms of oppression that uh, that uh, work in Brazil against the uh, uh, against the people. So maybe could you just explain a bit more how these different layers between the state and the repressive uh, uh, repressive organs like police and then the corporations, investors, uh, big capital, and uh, militias, mafias, gangs how is this um, organized how does it function and uh, maybe um, thinking about what you said today about the ch- uh, uh, just now about the change of uh, the uh, the government uh, that Lula is in power now do you think that anything will change in this official uh, level of yeah, this yeah.
9: I think the question is great
2: um, <laughs> actually we can
9: uh, uh, see Um, This scenario is a war scenario, uh, a a colonialist scenario since the um, beginning of the 60th century, so it never ends. So in this sense, I also would like to say say this is an anti-colonialist struggle that never stopped. So if we, uh, some people, right, accept the concept of decolonialism, we us as uh, <laughs> Qlumbists on the other hand we don't accept this concept we we defend the concept of anti-colonialist because we weren't colonized we weren't colonized we never was colonized in our minds in our aims in our will we never was and because of this the different mechanisms of oppression they are uh, um acted against us in different layers. When we are in the city when we have a um, lot of educated people this pretending idea of civilization and the norms working well they can't use the, the raw violence so for example they have one mechanism that we call in Brazil remoção um, branca I would call this uh, white eviction translating for the the english so they cut the electricity they cut the water source they uh, increase the 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 prices of the basic stuff for people live and they cut the uh, uh, bus lines circling around and people just get isolated in this place so the state doesn't do any uh, kind of um, direct violence that could go to the media and so on but people just get uh, um, in, in unsustainable uh, conditions to live in this place and if you go to Spirit Santo in this part of the um, in the north of Spirit Santo in this rural area when you uh, have a lack of uh, media covering and have a lack of uh, this pretentious um, civilization <laughs> uh, manner to organize the life. You see the violence going more directly towards people, so people disappear. Uh, we have genocidal in a sense. Okay, I can exaggerate in the numbers to define it as genocide, but we have what we call shasina. Ch- so we have 10, 50 people killed like in one action of police, and they do no one talk about this um i don't know <laughs> it's enough
8: uh, uh, but also probably there is like private militias from the corporations and uh, mafia gangs uh, operated uh, operating with them yeah in
9: both regions right because uh, as an example in the spirit of santa now <laughs> this guy uh, antonio sapizero he was uh, arrested. Antonio Papiero was arrested by police, and his motorcycle was put in the car of the company <laughs> who, who, who held his uh, motorcycle. His his uh, uh, his property it wasn't the police, it wasn't the state. So they worked combined against the population there, and in Rio de Janeiro. The militias, uh, they uh, land grabbing the land and they try to evict people, uh, threaten people and also spreading the um, the drug dealing and around uh, the community and uh, um, creating a kind of unsafe environment surrounding and people feel threatened and people start to leave the land and then they occupy the land and after that this, that land is uh, sold to the real estate and you have beautiful blocks and safe uh, neighborhood <laughs> totally the opposite
8: uh, Thank you very much for this uh, quite exhausting uh, report on quilombos in Brazil maybe you can have some suggestions uh, where people can find more information if uh, they want to follow up how the situation will evolve um I think also it will be written the website Yes, right. sure, we will put it under our show
9: Great, so I Months ago I wrote one article about this subject It was published in the Checaze, So it's a, a local journal So uh, It's about quilombos There's uh, autonomous struggles there And also have a, uh, Some videos in the YouTube uh, uh, In the channel Called Ricardo Salish Desa this is a Portuguese pronounce, I hope you understand, and I uh, can check
8: later on. Okay, uh, thank you for this interview,
7: and we will continue. Thanks to today's mechanized farming, there's more time for the family to visit in the town nearby. Time for the boys and girls to meet friends for a swim before the pool closes for the winter.
4: Time to shop for new
7: clothes.
4: To look at new equipment. Kira seme! Agro program. Radio student. Oh, 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 (laughs) Уш <laughs> ти
11: de frente y que sean la puerta de mi casa, porque yo me muero en tierra mía y a mí de esta tierra no me sacan, ni a mí que me disparen de frente y que sean la puerta de mi casa, porque yo me muero en tierra mía y a mí de esta tierra no me sacan.
5: In Chile, the year 2023 was marked by the repressive agenda of the ongoing social democratic government and the ultra-conservative right-wing constitutional process. In particular, we would like to comment on the anti-takeover law or usurpation law. It is a law created to criminalize the just territorial claims of the Mapuche people. The massive land takeover and self construction of thousands who are homeless. Therefore all forms of land occupation and construction like squat are threatened. This law was created and supported by some of the most conservative and wealthy sector of society in the most profound housing crisis ever experienced by communities in the so-called Chile territories. Some of the effects of this law are: one jail sentences for those found in the occupied lands or houses two it can be evoked in seizure of educational establishment such as school or universities of institutional headquarters of the government or private companies or even for the temporary occupation of the street in other words it is a law that establishes more legal tools to repress social protests. Three, not only the owner can denounce the occupation of the space, but also any neighbor or police generating the
1: condition for betrayal between people. During its approval process in Congress, thousands mobilized in habit of occupations Camps and squared spaces have generated coordination and struggle networks, and are still seeking the repeal of this law, despite the fact that it has already been enacted and used against land occupations in Mapuche territory. This law, along with others, is part of a repressive agenda that the whole electoral political agreement protects and strengthens. For our part, we do not expect any conditions in favor of those who are responsible for our misery. We trust in the constructions of strong networks of mutual support, solidarity and resistance against laws that criminalize poverty and popular direct action around housing and the construction of a dignified life. Tú nos dices que
11: debemos sentarnos, pero las ideas solo pueden levantarnos, caminar, recorrer, no rendirse ni resuceder, ver, aprender como esponja... Surga. Nadie sobre todos, faltan todos, suman todos para todos, todo para nosotros. Soñamos en grande que se pega el imperio. Lo gritamos, algo no queda más remedio. Esto no es utopía, es alegre rebeldía del baile de los que sobran de la danza. Te mía. levantarlos para desvillavar. Ni África ni América Latina se suga. Un barro con casco con la pizza patear el fiasco, provocar un social terremoto en escucharte. Al suelo y del suelo al cielo vamos zap zap tu blanco, vuelve para tu pueblo, no te tenemos miedo, tenemos vida y fuego. Fuego en nuestras manos, fuego en nuestros ojos, tenemos tanta vida y esta fuerza color lo rojo. La niña María no quiere tu castigo, se va a liberar con el suelo palestino. Somos africanos, latinoamericanos, somos este sur y juntamos nuestras manos.